Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast, episode 49. I'm your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Mike Luciano. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about the Georgia Spa shooting, my vaccination, the fact that 47% of Trump supporters won't get vaccinated, uh, and Rand Paul versus Anthony Fauci. Uh, So, Mike, my friend, how are you? I'm well, Ben. You forgot the most important story of last week, and that is Joe Biden eating shit whilst ascending the stairs to Air Force One. The biggest story by far. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, I missed that one because it's uh, obviously of of vital national importance that a 78-year-old man slipped on some stairs. Right. And conservatives are going nuts over this. My reaction was, well, he's 78 years old. That's what a lot of 78-year-olds do. And we knew this was a possibility when we elected him. But it doesn't matter because he's better than the complete maniac he defeated in November. And by the way, I'd still take Joe Biden in a foot race over his predecessor. Well, of course. And also, I mean, there's a lot of footage of, of um, Mike, Pe- Mike Pence did ha- exactly the same thing happened to Mike oh, Pence. Yeah. So Mike Pence fell, fell on the stairs on the way up to Air Force One as well. You know, Donald Trump has been f- filmed going down um, uh, a ramp looking literally like a 90-year-old, which is kind of, uh, and he has a very strange, Trump has a very, very weird walk anyway. You know, look, is it because of Joe Biden's age? Maybe. Could it be that it was incredibly windy and it's a long flight of stairs that he was trying to run up? Like people fall upstairs all the time, you know? Uh, Yeah, but I think it is quite, you know, quite ridiculous that conservative media is now going absolutely bananas over this because obviously it proves their point that Joe Biden is uh, uh, incapable of being president because he's too old. Well, they think it proves their point. Yes, whereas no one else really cares. The most infamous uh, ascension, presidential ascension on a set of stairs to Air Force One still remains, I think, Donald Trump with that piece of toilet paper stuck to his shoe. Obviously, we joke this was not the most important story. This was not the most important. Or even a story. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, The most important story was something that was far more serious and tragic, and that was the shootings at three separate Asian-run spas and massage parlors in the Atlanta area. Last week in Georgia, a 21-year-old white male killed eight people, and it appears that four of the victims were of Korean descent, two were of Chinese descent, one was uh, white Uh, actually, excuse me, and two were white, it appears. Um, Police say they've obtained a confession from the killer who blamed his actions on his so-called sex addiction. The shooter reportedly had attended at least two of the spas he targeted. According to police, the killer said he wanted to eliminate various sources of temptation and that the shootings were not racially motivated. And we'll get to what was uh, said at the police press conference in more detail in a minute. But I'll just say, when you shoot up three separate businesses all run by Asians over like a 30-mile stretch, saying the attack wasn't mo- racially motivated is a tough sell. And and I have a clip here. The police captain, Jay Baker, relayed this information, and he came under a lot of intense criticism for his account of the suspect's confession. And here's the clip. Yeah, let me go into a little bit of detail. So 
the suspect did uh, take responsibility for the shootings. Um, he uh, said that early on once we began the interviews with him. Um, he claims that these, and as the chief said, we know this is still early, but he does claim that it was not racially motivated. He apparently has an issue, uh, what he considers a, a sex fiction, and sees these locations as something that allows him to to um, to go to these places, and, and it's a temptation for him that he wanted to eliminate. Um, like I said, it's still early on, but those were, those were comments that he made. Did he discuss any kind of religious uh, motivation for this, or was he response? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. Non-political. I've heard nothing about politics. And essentially, his social media history—that's something, something that investigators and they've been working on it along, and that's certainly one of the things they'll be doing. Sheriff, did you have a sense that he understood what he, the gravity of what he did? Um, when I when we, I spoke with investigators, they interviewed him this morning, and I—they uh, got that impression that yes, he he understood um, the gravity of it, and he was pretty much fed up and kind of at the end of his rope and um, and yesterday was a really bad day for him and this is what he did. Well, I can think of eight people who had an even worse day than the shooter. That police captain was asked about a religious motivation. He said, no, no indication of that. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But at the beginning of that clip, he notes that the suspect said, blah, blah, blah. And then he answers a separate question, says something about the shooter being at the end of his rope and having a bad day. And it's unclear if those are the shooter's words or that police officers, which if they're the cops, they're especially outrageous. So people have been arguing about the choice of words and some are saying how like the bad day comment was unfairly taken out of context to malign the police captain who, by the way, last year was hawking T-shirts on Facebook that said, quote, COVID-19 imported virus from China, end quote. So that's that's special. But all that aside, this guy's tone did not fucking match the moment at all. You know, like he sounded like he was giving a secondhand account of how the shooter's order got messed up at the drive through earlier that day. But but anyway, all that's been talked about in the media. But I don't think enough attention is being paid to uh, – the religious aspect of this. There may be a religious aspect to this because the shooter was very active and involved in something called the Crab Apple First Baptist Church, which, you know, like a lot of churches and synagogues and mosques, takes a hard stand against sex outside of marriage. So, and who knows how much of the killer's motive was racial. There seems to be some of that, perhaps, but it would be a mistake to completely dismiss a possible religious element at this point. Because look, I mean, we've we've got all we've got thousands of churches in this country and teaching millions of kids and and young adults whose brains aren't even fully developed yet that sexual activity before marriage is is bad and, and sinful. And some of these people are going to wind up with an overdeveloped sense of self-loathing and shame, and they're going to do fucked up things. And I, I place 100% of the blame on the murderer for these eight deaths, but I think, I think this is at least partly indicative of, of the messed up way that religious institutions in the country kind of help foster this culture of sexual repression and neuroticism. That that it is as likely an explanation as anything else. I think you know there is a lot of people saying this is a racially motivated crime, which I think it appears that it that you know as you said, thirty mile stretch, 
uh, and all it's three separate businesses and all of the victims were asian so perhaps you know he equates asian women with sex you know there's like an asian fetish thing which is sort of you know that's certainly a thing i've heard a lot of people you know using that hypothesis um i think the religious aspect clearly has something to do with it i mean maybe the guy had an appalling childhood um i think that you probably would have had perhaps that has something to do with the religious thing as well you know um that the his religious upbringing uh, I think people who tend to choo- choose these insane kind of religious sects are usually, uh, and I say this um, not with uh, you know hard data to back back up this assertion, but you'd probably have a slightly strange family life, I would imagine. You know, if that's what your parents are into, it's like hardcore Christianity, um, it's kind of very extremely puritanical. I think you'd have a fairly strange childhood, a strange family life um, with that. W- with that kind of, um, in that kind of cultural context, I guess. Uh, you know, I think everybody wants to put their own narrative on this. Um, I think that always happens with these cases when there's a shooting or there's a where there's a tragedy. Everybody rushes to sort of, you know, say it's because of this or it's because of that. Uh, and I think that, you know, almost all sides are guilty of this. You know, it's amazing how many people have rushed to place a narrative on this, um, you know, where they're basically we we just don't have all the facts as as of yet. So I think it's quite difficult to say. My instinct would be my my guess would be that it's it's clear, you know, you've seen a a serious spike in anti-Asian crime and, and hate crimes against Asian people over the last few years, it obviously, particularly in the last year. Right with the with the coronavirus and Trump's uh, Bob Seska wrote a really good piece about this on the banter this week that you can see the connection between Trump's rhetoric about you know the China virus and hate crimes against Asian people, like it's been spiking over the past year uh, and and in direct correlation with um, Trump's re- Trump's rhetoric. I think that you know that that would be my guess. That religion has something to do with it. That racism has something to do with it. That mental illness has something to do with it. Again, I think it's. I always try to be mindful about these things about not trying to apply my own narrative. Like what what is it? My, what's my pet peeve? And then what do I want it to be about? You know. And I try to sort of remember that it's not necessarily about what I what I want it to be about. Right. And some people will hear this and say. Oh, you're just trying to take away from, you know, the racism aspect of this. And it's like, no, you could conceivably blame this on racism, but also you could blame it on something else you don't like. And that is hardcore right wing Christianity. You can, which, by the way, oftentimes aren't unrelated, right? Racism yes. is hard, hard right, you yes. know, Christian fundamentalism. And, and, and white supremacy go kind of hand in hand. Right, exactly. And, and we're just, I mean, we don't have all the facts. You and I are just having a casual conversation about this. And we're just trying to understand what, why, as, as relatively normal people that we are, Ben, and, and I use the word relatively right. no, <laughs> loosely, uh, and perhaps the word normal loosely as well, but we're just trying to just make sense of this because it is just so bizarre and, you know, I don't care what happens to this guy. He's going to be in prison for the rest of his life, hopefully. Maybe even get the death penalty. Who knows? In Georgia. And, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think Georgia, 
yeah, you know, who knows? Federal hate crime statues may apply. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to this guy. I don't, I don't care as long as he never takes another breath of free air in his life. I don't give a shit what happens to him. He can get, he can get a lethal injection. He can get shivved in prison. He could die of old age, like whatever. I don't care. Having a discussion about why somebody is the way they are or did what they did it doesn't mean we're trying to excuse his behavior because or we're minim- not. Yeah, or minimize it. Or, 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 yeah. Yes, exactly. It's just uh, this is just something that's always fascinated me. I mean, whether it's whether it's a this this shooter who we won't name, or whether it's you know Ben, you know I wrote extensively about you know Muslim fundamentalists and and it's just something that like we need to understand where this is coming from. Right. We need to understand like the, the, the motives and the conditions that led somebody to do these crazy things. And I don't and I think just saying, well, white supremacy, my work here is done. I don't think that is a healthy way to go about it. And it's just like a catch all explanation of a lot of this stuff that really misses some of the nuances of, of what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that, you know, the, the religious idea as well is, I mean, there's certainly something to that. I mean, there, there was a, um, a a study published in the Journal of Sex Research, which compared Jewish Orthodox teens to secular teens in Israel. And, and the research suggests that the suppression of sexual thoughts amongst religious people only begets a greater preoccupation with sexual thoughts and fantasies. So there is that aspect. But then there's also the fact that the guy killed them all. Like, you know, he he actually murdered people. So... There are so many ways of looking at this, you know, like I think the racism aspect of it would be, you know, the, the dehumanization of Asian Americans, you know, perhaps that was had a part to play with it. I have absolutely no issue. Like that seems in- incredibly likely that he had, there were these ingrained kind of white supremacist beliefs and the, the you know, he was able to sort of dehumanize Asian women to the point where he could kill them. They perhaps to him, they were sex objects that he could dispose of if he didn't, but I don't know, you know, like I'm not his psychologist. Uh, and, and I think, you know, one of the other things that I think has really, um, I found disturbing ab- about all of this is the is is I think the kind of on the woke left has decided that this has to fit in exactly with their white supremacist narrative that everything is about white supremacy right that anti Asian cri- that crimes against Asian people are a direct result of white supremacy which is just not true like it's just not true I mean that yes like anti Asian hate crimes are on the rise but if you look at uh, uh, crimes committed, like historically speaking, you know, uh, there's always been a lot of anti-Asian um, sentiment in in uh, in the US. I've got, I have Asian friends in in the US who've told me of appalling racism that they that they've suffered. But if you look at uh, this is this is a um, so the so okay here we are. So the US Department of Justice um, had a study done on criminal victimizations. This was in 2018. The statistics were from 2000, yeah, two, from 2018. So this this looks at the percentage percent of violent incidents by victim and offenders and offender race or ethnicity. So if you look at Asian Americans in 2018, there were 182,230 crimes against asian people right 
24.1% of those were committed by white Americans, 275 were committed by black Americans, 7% were committed by Hispanics, and 24.1% were committed by other Asians. Are those attacks or are those just crimes in general? Like a- Violent incidents. These are violent incidents against, um, against Asians. And there are others. You, know, you can look at um, uh, white. There were th- over 3.5 million number of uh, violent incidents against white people. 62% were committed by other whites. 15% were from black Americans. Hispanic was 10% and Asian 2.2%. So, but if you look at Asian Americans, it's, it's clear that um, they suffered violent, just, you know, actually it was more, more likely to be attacked violently by African American, an African American than a white American or Hispanic American, or an Asian American, right? So, you know, obviously there's a lot of other, there's clearly going to be a lot of other factors involved in that, in, you know, the fact that um, uh, obviously Asians live in, there's a concentration of, of Asian immigrants in cities, they're likely to be housed uh, and, and situated near to African American areas, you'd have a lot more kind of interaction between those two demographics right and it's not to say that you know i i I think you've got to be careful about inferring too much from these statistics but what it is clear it's clear that racism against asian people is not exclusive to white people it's a racism problem so i think that trying to blame white supremacy for everything is wrong it's just not factually correct it's not to say that white supremacy isn't perhaps the biggest problem in America right now. It is. I mean, you can, we know that, that, that white supremacy is a very, very terrible problem, uh, that it's the most, you know, most terrorist um, acts in America are committed by, by white nationalist groups, by, by racist white men. Um, you know, that you've got a white nationalist movement essentially on one half of the political establishment is being overtaken by a kind of white nationalist movement. You know, the Donald Trump's entire presidency was in essence, a white nationalist movement. So it, it's not to, to um, downplay the, the, how dangerous white supremacy is. But when you have racism, like rising racism against Asians, it's not just a problem about white supremacy. It is a racism problem in general. And as you can see, it's actually shared out quite well amongst the population, right? It's like black and white people... Uh, and other Asians um, uh, and Hispanic people have their own parts to play in this, right? There's, there's, you know, um, lots of racism. Like, I think t- the the lesson here is that people are racist. There is racism in general. It's not exclusive to white people or black people or Asians or Hispanic people. Like I said, with this situation in Georgia, th- with these eight killings, six of the eight were Asian. They were all they all worked at asian run spas and a white guy drove a long way to kill them so dismissing the racial element it's a tough sell i don't know what yeah. was going on in this guy's head i don't know if if anyone ever will there's probably a racial component of this there's probably a religious aspect of this and there's also by the way a policy aspect of this and that is that he bought the gun he used to commit the murders earlier that day, right. same day, you know, which that, that's a whole other thing that we can get into some other time, maybe like have a waiting period to buy a firearm so you can cool off, you know, just like 
states like Georgia, I believe Georgia has a waiting period to get an abortion. Um, or at least other states have waiting periods to get an abortion. But if you want a gun right now, here you go. But just the thing is, like, I agree with what you said about, you know, white supremacy. It is a huge problem. It is like the problem in the United States at the Clearly. moment. You cited domestic terrorism. That is a, a largely a white problem because white domestic terrorists do way more damage than any other type of terrorist in the United States. But I will just caution just because something seems to fit your preferred narrative doesn't mean it does fit your preferred narrative. Yes, yes, ex exactly. And this is why, like, I think, you know, issues like this, it just, everybody just goes bonkers and, and it becomes like a feeding frenzy. And if you say the wrong thing, you know, you're then viewed as being a racist or whatever it is. You, you know what I mean? So you you think, right. I think, you know, there is a real problem with it right now. And I, I understand why that's the case. I think, like, particularly with the whole white supremacy thing, I think everybody is feeling pretty raw after the, you know, the George Floyd killing. Um, obviously, centuries of of, uh, <laughs> of oppression of minorities, particularly African-Americans, uh, which is still being felt to this day. I think that obviously everybody is and, you know, the, the rise of Donald Trump and white nationalism and the toxic kind of rhetoric that he spewed for four, five years while in a very prominent public figure. I think everybody's now very, very, they're, they're on edge. So then I think the reaction to this kind of stuff is I understand why there is that reaction. But obviously, I think we also still have to have intelligent conversations about this stuff and we also have to have investigations uh, and we need to make sure that we try to be as, as sort of uh, sober and rational about these things as possible so as not to uh, not to overreact too much you know and i think that that's that becomes a big problem everybody's now so quick to judge uh, to to write their own narrative on something and and you know you've got cancel culture which is you know it is a real thing I mean, it, it's a real thing that you know you say the wrong thing, and that's it. Your career's finished because you you you, you know you're not um, you're not uh, towing the line. You know you're not you're not sufficiently woke enough, and I think that that's a that's a major problem. It's a really really big problem in in this country, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who are. It's like you know the Me Too movement. Yep. Yeah, the Me Too the Me Too movement was, I think, very 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 necessary and much needed and a you know a big correction. But it, I think it was also clear that there was a bit of an overcorrection as well. So it became kind of a witch hunt. You know, the, the, you could just say something and destroy someone's career. And I think obviously, you know, like all women, anybody who's claiming any form of sexual assault or harassment, whether male or female, should be listened to. But they should also be investigated. You know, they should also have some sort of. Everyone should be afforded uh, the right to have, you know, f to to an invest a fair investigation before being, you know, you're presumed innocent by the legal system. And I think, like for a while, you know, all men were 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 presumed guilty. I'm glad you brought that up, so I can I can basically say this Andrew Cuomo thing. Like a lot of the people who were saying, you know, just a few short years ago, believe women are now, you know, questioning the timing of the allegations against Cuomo or the victim's credibility or alleged victim's credibility. You know, seven women have now come forward, I believe it is, with various degrees of, uh, of, uh, of sexual misconduct ranging from, uh, you know, inappropriate comments Governor Cuomo allegedly made to straight up, you know, groping. 
Yeah. Um, but last week, just seven days ago, I got on this podcast and I said, it looks like Cuomo's toast because it, there was a real political will. Oh, I should have put money down. I should have put money down. I yeah, you should have. <laughs> oh, man. No, I mean, you had Senator Chuck Schumer, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, a whole bunch of uh, Democrats in the New York State Legislature, a bunch of Congress men and women from New York calling for Cuomo to resign. And he just said, nope, I'm not resigning. And then the Democrats basically went, well, he's not resigning, so time to get on with the business of governing as usual. It's like I have never seen – you know, the, the momentum behind, you know, getting him to resign just completely die out in basically it was like a 48 hour span. And now and now everyone's just like, oh, he's he's it looks like he's staying and he's going to serve out his term, it looks like. And he probably won't run again, I guess. But I just have to say, like Elliot Spitzer. He's got to be looking at this and saying, why the hell did I resign? Right? All Elliot Spitzer did was, while governor, have sex with a high-end prostitute. Consensual sex. Infidelity. Technically that is illegal. But it's te- what it's, he did was technically illegal because well, prostitution is illegal. Right. But like – Well, so, so is sexual harassment. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean. so is sexual harassment and, and groping. And you know, you know, you could say to that is that Cuomo hasn't admitted to it and Spitzer did. But like the standards have been lowered and, and I don't know why. But uh, you know, I, I don't know when that happened. The standards for personal behavior in politics have really been lowered. I, do you have any insights on this, Ben? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. Could be. I mean, usually these things come from the top down. You know, it would have been an executive who would have had that kind of. You know, if the top, you know, the top person in the country is behaving that way. But I'm not sure. I don't know. You know. Yeah, we'll look into that one. Yeah, and and report back (laughs) next week and and let you, the viewer, know what we have found. But yeah, look, I mean, I think that you also look with, with the Cuomo situation, uh, at least from my perspective, it seems fairly clear that the guy is an absolute creep and a scumbag. Uh, but, you know, having said that, I think he needs that there should be a, a fair investigation. The guy's entitled to an investigation. There should be, a, you know, I don't think you, you can um, demand that he leaves without there being some fair investigation it seems fairly clear that <laughs> the results the investigation would yield would be uh, fairly conclusive given what we know already in in, in public but how you know i think that he should be afforded an investigation like at, at least you know like let, let's let's see let's see what plays out there sure um, criminally sure criminally he should i will say though politically he can be held to a higher standard, right? You know, Cuomo shouldn't be, he shouldn't be thrown in jail over mere allegation. But, you know, the legislature can say, you know what, based on allegations and also what we've seen in public and also what we have experienced from the governor, because Cuomo is a notorious bully, calling legislators, threatening them, threatening them to ruin their careers, stuff like that. So, you know, the, the state legislature of New York, if they so desire can choose to uh, hold a Cuomo to a different standard than the criminal justice system would. So that's that's all I would say to that. But anyway, so Ben, we're recording this podcast on a Saturday. We usually record on a Friday. Why are we recording on a Saturday? Because I had my 
just through complete random chance and luck, I got a was able to get a um, vaccine, uh, COVID vaccine, on the Wednesday. So I got the Pfizer shot, my first shot, and um, was completely wiped out. Yeah, I, I definitely felt the effects of it. So I had two days of of, of quite bad fatigue, and and uh, yeah, I was <laughs> on Friday. I thought I was hoping I would be over the worst of it, but I basically had a hard time getting out of bed on Friday. So that's why we had to postpone for good reasons. I mean, look, I didn't, I haven't enjoyed the last couple of days, you know, the side effects, what they say about the side effects is real, at least for me. Uh, you know, it's a small price to pay for being vaccinated and for, you know, I know what COVID does to other people. I've had it happen to family members and I would not, I do not want that. You know, so I was happy and glad and felt very privileged to be able to get the vaccine. It was a completely random chance that I managed to get it. I still don't quite understand how that happened, but I managed to get one. Well, um, how did it go down? So I got a link. So we'd heard from a family friend that the on the Maryland website that you could uh, get you know, th th there was a chance that you could get, uh, if a slot opened up, you could get, you know, you could get in. So basically, I went to register on the site, and it took me through to a same day appointment. And um, uh, but that same day appointment was two was almost two hours drive away, so I had to like leave immediately to get there. Uh, but I took it. I I filled everything out, put my age, my occupation. Um, everything down correctly uh didn't didn't uh, make anything up to say that i was a 75 year old uh uh frontline worker so right i i was completely honest in my in in what i put down i didn't expect it uh, to, to get through uh but for some reason it, it was i drove there thinking that it, there must have been a mistake but i drove on the off chance that it was actually you know I it had gone through properly. They asked me questions. Uh, I filled out. Um, I, put, I signed, you know, a waiver, and got my vaccine. So it was I'm very shocked um, that 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 was able to happen uh, because I didn't, you know, I'm not technically eligible for it. But I've heard this happen to a number of people that that you can sometimes get through. I think if there's like a cancellation that opens up that day, uh, you know, that that's what I presume must have happened for me i mean it was there was we tried to get on later uh to get another appointment for my in-laws but um yeah we couldn't so it wouldn't let us through again so yeah anyway i got the shot um i did feel somewhat guilty about it because i you know obviously not being um in in the correct age category i felt like there must have been you know, I, I did feel like I was maybe jumping the line, but I got the shot anyway. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm halfway to, there to vaccination. Yeah, my wife, after her second shot, she felt kind of blah the day after. But yeah, she was otherwise fine. And And you should, talking to the listeners... You should register if your state allows you to to register for the vaccine and get called when it's your turn. Just register, and and there may be a, a vaccination site that has already vaccinated all of the people who are eligible, and they have they have extras 
and they just need to get other people vaccinated. So just just do that. that that's what that's what I I had read. I'm part of a Facebook group that that look, that basically gives you a lot of information about how, how uh, it's called Maryland Vaccine Hunters or something. I think I can't remember what it's called, but they've got a lot of good information, and that's what a lot of people in there were suggesting. They're, they're saying just register because on the off chance sometimes sometimes there'll be an opening. And yeah, so I was f- pretty shocked uh, at what had happened. I did not expect to get a vaccine at all, uh, but I, I, I did. And in some places, like the city of Boston, I think North Carolina, maybe a couple other states, they're allowing smokers to get vaccinated. And you don't even need to like be a frontline worker or be above a certain age. If you just say you're a smoker and it's based on the honor system, you can get the vaccine. And I'm thinking, shit. Let me fly to Boston. Sound get a speaker, pack. yeah. Well, no, no, no. I don't like to lie, Ben. I don't like to lie. So what I would do is I would get off the plane. I would buy a pack of smokes. And then I would just smoke a bunch of cigarettes on my way to the vaccination site. And then I'd go visit my family for the first time in a year and a half. So, Yeah, and get, get, yeah, get yourself a vaccine. Right. I mean, I think it's important. You know, I have heard of a lot of people getting this. So I put up my vaccination record on online. You know, I did it on social media, but then someone said, like, don't do that because there's people people out there who are sc- like scammers who are out there uh, scanning people's information and taking people's selling and selling on your vaccine slot to someone else, apparently. So you've got to be careful with this stuff. I, I, th- I think there's a whole there's a lot of nefarious activities going on with these appointments. Um, but I also think, look, you know, like I did feel somewhat guilty about it i did i have to be honest it was a straight it was strange you know i just thought like i was relieved to have got it but then i also felt kind of like oh man you know like uh, you know there's a lot of people who haven't been vaccinated but then i think that you know one of the things that you're doing when you get a vaccine if you can get the vaccine get it you know uh because it doesn't you're helping to stop the spread of of, of covid right Every single person who's been vaccinated is it helps the whole, helps the collective. So you know, it doesn't matter how you know. Obviously, you don't go around stealing vaccines, but um, if you can get one, if you can qualify for to get the vaccine, if you have to say that you're a smoker, then you know, or if you have to go and do what Mike you suggested, which is going and buying a packet of cigarettes, so you're not, you know, you can feel somewhat honest about what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> like, do it, you know, get get the vaccine. There's a lot of Wait people- a minute. Wait, are you saying people should say they're a smoker in those states so they can jump the line, even if they're not a smoker? Well, if they buy a pack of cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> no, don't do that. I was joking. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, I do think that you people, sh- you, you know, you should get vaccinated as soon, as soon as you possibly can. You know, another reason you may have been able to get vaccinated just on that particular day is that a lot of people just aren't signing up for the vaccine. And a lot of people have no intention of getting the vaccine. There was a, a NPR PBS poll out last week showing that 47% of Trump supporters will not get the vaccine. That's a lot of people. He got, he got what, 74 million votes? So that's 37 million people who are just won't get a vaccine. Yeah. straight up saying they won't get it. I mean, where I got my vaccine was in Trump country, was in Trump, that was in ah. Trump territory, deep in Trump territory. Well, there you go. So, you know, yeah, who knows? 
it, it, it's look. I mean, what like the fact that this guy that Trump he got he, he and Melania got vaccinated in secret uh, on the way out uh, didn't tell anybody at the time. Um, I think he sort of mentioned it while talking to Maria Bartiromo about getting the vaccine, but he hasn't made a big deal out of it. You know, he didn't get the vaccine publicly. Imagine if Trump had got the vaccine publicly, right? If he'd gone to, you know, he'd had it on live television to show his supporters that it was safe. This is what Boris Johnson just did. Boris Johnson just got the AstraZeneca um, uh, vaccine in the UK uh, and he did it on, on, on live television to reassure people. That's what presidents and leaders should be doing. Right. And, and I know there's data suggest there's research suggesting that, you know, local doctors and, and local community leaders are even more influential. And that's probably true. But certainly, I think it would have gone a long way if Trump had either gotten the shot publicly or if he had just made a big deal out of it. Like you said, you know, Trump is he's a guy who when he really cares about something, he really harps on it and he just does not shut up about it. And the only references to the vaccine that we've gotten from him or like you said, the the Bartiromo interview. And I think at the the uh, at, at CPAC, he briefly just said, get your shot. But, you know, he could be out there really touting the vaccine and its benefits and how people should get it, just like all the other ex living presidents have, in addition to obviously the current president. But he just hasn't done that because he doesn't care enough about it. Right. I mean, yeah. And, and again, you know, this is one of the reasons this, this is one of the classic examples of of why Trump was so dangerous as a leader, why he was so manifestly unfit to be president. Right. That, that you know, a lot of a lot of um, how, what would what would be the best word to describe people who excuse that kind of behavior? Um, I would say a lot of not very good people wouldn't expect that in a leader, right? Because they, a lot of the people who vote for, who idolize Trump, right? I think you, people's lead, who you idolize in a leader or who you're drawn to in a leader kind of reflects personality characteristics that you might have. So if you're a really a, not a very good person, you wouldn't really think anything of that kind of behavior, that Trump didn't get the vaccine in public, right? That he didn't urge his supporters to get it. Those kind of things, if you're like a, bad if you're really not a very good person you wouldn't care about that kind of thing right but i think decent people do care about that kind of thing they recognize that that's what leaders should be doing leaders should be leading by example right you just not do as i say it, it's it's um do as i do and and that's the uh, you know that's what trump never did he never led by example ever Right, he was just a sort of greedy, lazy, selfish, narcissistic buffoon who constantly blamed everybody else for for all of his problems. Right, and I think if you're if you share those traits, you know, you're not going to have any issue with Trump doing that. That's why I, I think that so many people were outraged by Trump, by outraged by this guy's existence. And I think the vaccine thing was was a very classic example of just why he's such a terrible human being and why he should never have been president. Something as basic as that, as just getting the vaccine in public. Speaking of terrible human beings, am I a terrible human being for thinking of any potential electoral consequences from half of Trump supporters saying that they won't take the vaccine? Because these are probably 
the same people who are going into stores maskless, who are congregating maskless, who are acting like the pandemic is not taking place. Some of them are inevitably going to get COVID. Some of them will die. How many? Who knows? As, but as we saw in 2020, a lot of these races in these states, they were close. They were close. You know, it was like something like 45,000 votes separated Trump and Biden in three states that could have swung the whole election. And when, when you consider the amount of people in this country who are saying that they will not get the vaccine, who voted Republican last time around, I don't know. I th- this could be consequential in 2022 and beyond. I mean, look, you know, I, at this point, if you're a Trump supporter and you don't believe in the vaccine and you don't believe COVID is real or you don't have to take care for other people by being responsible, then if you die from COVID, you know, hey, like, that sucks, you know? Like, obviously, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't wish anybody dead, but I'm not, I don't, I, I, my sympathy levels are fairly limited. Darwin Award winners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What I do care about is if you go out and infect other people who, who you know, who will suffer the consequences of your selfish behavior. Should we talk about the showdown between Anthony Fauci and Rand Paul? Oh, yes. Yes, this is another example of conservative... Would you even call it conservative? It's more sort of... Um, I would call it genocidal, uh, reactionary fascism. I don't know. Maybe that's what you'd want to call going on on the right these days. But uh, the confrontation between Dr. Anthony Fauci and um, libertarian... Uh, buffoon Rand Paul, who has const- constantly attacked Anthony Fauci for who's the who is probably the world's leading infectious disease specialist. Right, he the guy's Fauci's credentials are basically unparalleled. Right, he he is unbelievably well qualified to be uh, speaking about pandemics, but yet. Rand Paul thinks that he obviously, you know, and he's doing it for political theatre, right? He's attacking Fauci as political theatre. He doesn't know, uh, he doesn't really know what he's talking about whatsoever. Like he attacks Fauci uh, because he believe because Fauci's become a bogeyman on the on the right. So Rand Paul is trying to to tally up um, political points by doing this, but basically making a complete fool out of himself. So we have a clip for you. This is the interaction between Fauci and uh, Ram Paul. You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear a mask to have been vaccinated. Yeah. Instead, you should be saying there is no science to say we're going to have a problem from the large number of people being vaccinated. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Don't think quit wearing their mask after they get the vaccine. You want people to get the vaccine? Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Well, let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Masks are protective. And we have immunity there, theater. If you already have immunity, you're wearing a mask to give comfort to others. You're not wearing a mask because of any sign. I, I totally disagree with you. The point I'm saying is that there are variants in now circulating. The point that Senator Paul was making was that if you look at wild type only, there is some clear-cut credence to what he's saying. 
But we are living right now in a situation where we're having a dominance of 117, which was the original UK. We have a very troublesome variant in New York City, a 526. We've got two variants in California, a 427, 429, and we have a number of others. So we're not dealing with a static situation of the same virus. So that, ladies and gentlemen, was Rand Paul versus Dr. Anthony Fauci. So look, I should note that Paul. Um, Paul has held a state-issued medical license in Kentucky since 1993, so he is he is a uh, a, a licensed doctor, ophthalmologist. Um, yes, he specialises in cataract and glaucoma surgeries. Right, so his his um, qualifications when it comes to in, in epidemiology or virology or pandemics is absolutely nothing, zero, zilch. Right, and he's talking to one of the world's leading infectious disease specialists. Right, where he gets the balls to do this, I don't know. I don't understand. When what he's saying is clearly nonsense, right? It's clearly just false, right? What he's saying is he's he's actively lying when he's saying there's no science behind it. And Fauci then, you know, obviously um, sets him straight on this, but. What he's doing, I mean, this is just, these are talking points designed for Fox News, right? That's it. That's it. They're designed to play into the hands of all the COVID deniers uh, and all the rabid right-wingers who are convinced that wearing a mask is a is a huge infringement on their personal freedom and the First Amendment and the Second Amendment or whatever amendment they think it uh, pertains to. Um, but it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And this guy is like, he has no shame. Like, you know, it's when you see people like Laura Ingram, who constantly goes after Dr. Fauci, who, uh, you know, Laura Ingram's qualifications are she's a Fox News TV host. Exactly. And Laura Ingram and Rand Paul, they're performing for an audience. What is their incentive? Well, for Rand Paul, it's to get reelected. And for Laura Ingram, it's to get ratings and to tell their constituents, their audience, what they want to hear. What is Dr. Fauci's incentive for telling people to wear masks. Is it because he just gets some some kind of sick enjoyment out of telling people to wear masks and seeing people on the street wear masks? Is that his incentive? Or is his incentive that he wants people to be safe and not spread this disease and not contract this disease? I mean, he has no – He this guy is a career civil servant that is his North Star, and he goes where the science takes him, while Rand Paul goes where his constituency takes him, while Laura Ingram goes where her audience takes her. So let's just, let's just think about the incentive structures here for these folks. Yeah, of, co- of course, right? Of course. I mean, it's painfully obvious for everybody to see. Um, everybody, you know, every well-adjusted balanced human being rational rational reasonable empathetic human being can see that um you know and where their audiences want to take them i mean you we have to bear in mind that rampal's uh political base and laura ingram's um uh viewership are batshit crazy insane right so obviously the audience they're playing to are you know the, these are not these are not nice normal people you'd want to have uh, you want to have sunday lunch with you know, these are these are rabid anti-mask, you know, misogynistic racists, basically. You know, so yeah, I'll t- I'll t- I'll take uh, I'll take the the world's leading um, infectious disease specialist over two performing monkeys. Thank you very much. 
Here, here. All right. So on that note, uh, I will leave it here for today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you checking into the Banter Podcast. Um, if you would like to uh, support the show, uh, make sure you subscribe to us, subscribe to the newsletter, uh, subscribe to us on Spotify. I'm going to leave the link there. If you'd like to become a Banter member, uh, help support independent media, you can do so. There's a 50% discount on the uh, newsletter um, so you can do that by clicking the red button and you'll get a 50% discount uh, Mike anything else to add see ya see ya everybody <laughs>